first started and then the last week she was like opening her hands and praising the Lord and then she did her testimony and she said that she became a Christian and that was like the most greatest thing for me to hear because that felt like I helped change someone's life. And then for me going into this week, I made a bunch of poor choices before I said I'm a Christian. I stand it up for God, but I didn't show it any way possible. But I knew that, like, okay, going into this week, I'm going to need it. And then once Pam Huntress gave her, told us the lesson about surrendering, and then Greg and Blake, and when they all did this, it just put, like, an open in my eyes that I needed to, like, I needed, I wanted to change. I wanted to do this thing. And then I felt like God was calling out to me. After Pam, like, did her message, she came over to me. She was like, what can I pray for you about? And I just started downpouring. <laughs> it was so weird. I just started downpouring. And I was just like, I need all these things. And then after, I told her all my problems. And I was like, I really need help. I want to come closer to the Lord and all this. And then after, I walk out. And I'm like... Whoa, God, what did you just do to me? <laughs> like, I don't do this ever. And I was just like, that's like a blessing that he, God is so good that he can make us feel these ways. And he has other people coming into you and wanting to help you out. And I had one of my closest friends tell me, I'm going to do great things for people. And going into this reckless camp year, I think that's something I needed and now I want to come closer to the Lord and I want to help change people and be God's followers and that was just really great and I loved Reckless Camp I think it was the best year so far going into a new place and I'm really happy and thankful. Um, I know before camp I believed that everything was fine and one of the things I was really scared of um, finding out at camp was that I was going to lose my life that I was comfortable with um, before or like hearing about having to surrender that and that was my biggest fear that I was going to lose my friends, lose my school life and everything that I had because you know I'm doing fine, I'm doing good how I am and I realized that was the uh, lies believing that I was going to lose everything by surrendering it all to God, but that's obviously not true. And one of my um, takeaways was that leading up to camp, I, I, always, I always thought that uh, making big life decisions like where what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go to college was a decision I had to make on my own because that was a part of growing up and that's something that now that I'm going to be a senior was a decision I had to make. And I learned that God makes me brave. And even though I might lose friends and it might be scary and I might be terrified of choosing where I'm gonna to go to college that I don't have to be because that's not a thing I have to make on my own or a decision I have to make by myself. So I know now that I don't have to be afraid and that, that with God, <laughs> I can do whatever and I can be my per my own person with my own faith and that everything's going to be okay. Going into camp, I didn't really spend time with God. I didn't read the Bible, do devotions, or even pray to Him. The first night, I remember Mr. Vaccaro 
put five spots on where we are in our relationship with God. And we had to find out which one we were in. I realized that I've been sidelined, that I have, I was on fire for God, that I was serving Him and doing amazing things through Him. But now it felt like I was in the low of my, of a point. And so I asked God that I wanted to change. I wanted to change really bad. That I wanted something to change. I wanted to spend time with Him. And so I was doing devotionals where they said that they would want us to read some places in the Bible that they told us. And oh, right after a verse that they gave us, I found something that really spoke to me. In Jeremiah 29 verses 12 and 13, it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that like hit me and rocked my court because I realized that I haven't been chasing after him wholeheartedly and that I haven't been surrendering him, all my stuff to him wholeheartedly because I know that what he has is better than what I already have. And so that last night they asked, what do you want to do different from after camp to do better? And I said, I want to try to at least read a chapter a day. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, good morning, Shiloh. I'm Greg Vaccaro, and I love Reckless Youth Camp. Wow, it's always so good. I, if there was one thing I could wish for all of you is to be there the last day. We get together in the afternoon before we had dinner, and it was just a testimony time. So we gave kids an opportunity if they wanted to share. And, you know, there's always those first that go right away and, and then like some more and some more and some more. And then it gets really quiet and awkward. But, you know, what they share, oh my gosh. It, it was hard to pick three. Uh, it really was more, um, you know, who, could, who was here and, and who could we videotape. But we could have videotaped every single one of them. It was just amazing to see what God does. And, and uh, just this faithfulness when, when you say, Lord, we need you. God shows up in, in such a big way, in such a great way. So this morning I'd like to talk about what would it look like if? So have you ever asked yourself that question? What would it look like if whatever, right? And you know, you can't really ask a question like this without dreaming, right? This is one of those times where you, you start to dream and you say, what would it look like if blah, 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 right? And, and I think dreams can be powerful. Dreams can motivate us. And sometimes dreams can be God-given, amen? That, that God puts something in our heart as a yearning and a longing for what would it be look like if? So I, I wanna start with that this morning and, and just talk about some of my dreams or some of the things that I could dream about. And just, you know, maybe prime the pump, so to speak. So what would it look like if there was no more hunger in the world? Wouldn't that be amazing? Right, if there was no more hunger in the world. Now, if this was truly my heartbeat and my passion and my dream, I'd be probably doing more about it, right? I, I think, you know, we could start with, okay, how about we start local in our church? There's no more hunger in our church. There's no more hunger in the west side of Manchester and all of Manchester. But like there could be a progression that we would do if this was really our dream and we wanted to fulfill our dream and our passion. 
And, and maybe if we're not really doing a lot, it's because that isn't our dream, right? That, that's the reality of it. But what would it look like if there was no more homelessness? Again, we could start local. We, we could figure out a way. God, what is it that you'd have? And we could be asking God for these things. And, and maybe if we're not asking him for these things, let's just be honest. That's not our dream. It's, it's not something that, that we feel like that's what we're giving ourselves to. So now I'll, I'll bring it maybe a little more personal to you and I. What if I was completely out of debt? Okay, now it's not I got to go change the world. I just have to change me. Right? So what if I stopped spending more than I make? Then I wouldn't go into debt. What if I stopped spending a lot less than I make so I could actually pay off my debt and get rid of my mortgage and get rid of my car payment or my credit cards, right? So that's a possibility that you and I could do. And, and if we haven't done it yet, maybe it's because we're still on the, on the path or maybe because it's really not a dream that we have of getting out of debt. It's not that important to us. What if I had peace in every relationship? So, okay, it's, it's a little different than debt. It's not that I control these things. Now it's interaction between other people. But, but I'm certainly, like, it takes two to tango. As far as it pertains to me, what if I tried to be at peace with every person that I come into contact with? That I just want to show them the love of God and I want to have peace in all my relationships. What would that look like? What would I have to do? So I think this concept of what would it look like if is really important when we look at this scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I want to read this for us and, and then we'll stop a minute to pray. So it says this in Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you for what you have in Romans. Lord, I thank you that your, your Bible says about itself that the word of God is living, it's active, it's powerful. It's powerful, Lord, to touch not just our minds, but to touch our hearts, to change our lives. And Lord Jesus, I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you, you quicken your word this morning, Lord. You make it alive to us that it changes who we are and we don't walk out of here the same person that we walked in. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we see in the first sentence there, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters. And think about that word urge. What does it look like for you to urge someone? You know, and I was racking my brain for an example I could give you, and, and the best one I could come up with is when we were younger, um, there was all of us kids in the car, and, and we might have been driving someplace or maybe coming home from a concert or whatever, and, and all in unison, we would all start to beat the seat back in front of us and go, one, two, three, Carvel, one, two, three, Carvel, and that was our chant as our way of convincing our parents they should take us to Carvel and they should get us ice cream. Now, isn't that a great thought? We were urging them, and, and you know what? The louder it got, they were like, no, we got to go home. Tomorrow's a school night. We'd just be chanting, and we'd be beating the seat backs. And they'd be like, all right, we're going to go to Carvel. Woo! Everybody scream, and it was happy, and it was so much fun. But that's what it looks like to urge someone, you know? Now, foolish me, I told this story to my kids. <laughs> you don't want to tell them your childhood stories about how you persuaded and urged your parents, because then... Our favorite ice cream shop in Merrimack is King Cone. It's the best soft serve on the planet. 
And uh, they would go one, two, three, King Cone, you know, when we were someplace in Merrimack because it's, it's close by. But Paul was urging them not to say, hey, you know what, there's something that you really should do. I, I know it's good for you. Like he was urging them because why? It was a good thing. It's like who doesn't like going out for ice cream? Ice cream is a great thing. That's why we would urge our parents, take us out for ice cream. And he's urging them in view of God's mercy to offer their bodies a living sacrifice. And it just goes flat right there, right? Ice cream and offering yourself as a living sacrifice. Is there really a comparison? Like, I can imagine urging someone to take me out for ice cream, but Billy, I'm urging you to offer your body a living sacrifice. And you're like, yeah, why would I want to do that? That doesn't sound fun, right? But God gives us a choice in verse 2. He says, you can choose to conform to the pattern of this world or be transformed into what I have for you by the renewing of your mind. It's a choice that's in front of all of us, right? Are we going to conform to the pattern of this world or are we going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind? Now, growing up, I had a nickname from my mom. But before I tell you my nickname, I just want to tell you a little bit more, remind you that I'm the youngest of eight. A lot of you knew that, right? And there's four boys and four girls in my family. So I was the youngest boy Three older brothers and sisters, three older brothers anyway, and, and when it would come time to go school shopping, I was just in the mall the other day and I saw all these families out getting backpacks and school clothes and all that kind of stuff. You know what, I never went really to the mall to go shopping for school clothes because we had a closet full of school clothes for my brothers. And I'd be like, okay, you get to go pick which one fits you this year, you know, and that was my school shopping, was I would go in my brother's closet. Yeah. Thankfully, they would wear out their shoes, so I'd usually go get to get a new pair of shoes, just not the boots, because they'd never wear out the boots. I always got their boots, too. But that's what it looked like to go school shopping, right? And maybe it's because of that experience, or maybe it's just who I am, but my mom gave me this nickname of the bon vivant. Now, do you know what the bon vivant means? A bon vivant is someone who likes the luxurious life. They like the finer things. So if we would go out to a restaurant, I always wanted to order the thing that was most expensive on the menu. And I remember the first time we went out to a restaurant, all 10 of us, my my grandmother had gotten her cataracts out, we were going out to celebrate. So all of us went out to the restaurant and we were told ahead of time, you're ordering spaghetti, you're having water to drink, and eat a lot of bread. So man, when they brought the bread out, we were just chowing down on the bread. It was basket after basket. When the spaghetti came, I was so full I could hardly eat any spaghetti, but I got to take it home, and that was lunch the next day, and it started a great tradition, you know, of always eating a lot of bread, save your meal, have a little bit of the meal, and then you have it for leftovers, right? So I've always liked the finer things, not that I could afford them or get them, but now I want to give you a little bit of window of what it looks like to be a bon vivant when you're going to go shopping for an office chair. Now, maybe you've got a desk at home and you need a new chair, so I'm going to help you pick out a new office chair, all right? So we come into the store and we see this model, right? And what does it say? It's got fixed arms with basic adjustment mechanism. You know, I believe in ergonomics that you have to have a workplace that's set up for you and and your hand should be at that right angle, otherwise you're going to get carpal tunnel. Fixed arms, not going to do it. You need need to be able to adjust your arms because everybody is a different height and weight and shape, right? So fixed arms, uh, the the good looks okay, but you know what, I'm I'm not really satisfied with the good. So I'm going to go to the next model, better. Fully adjustable, yes, that's exactly what I need. Um, With a plastic frame? 
Who wants a plastic frame? Like, I want this chair to last. If you're buying an office chair, seriously, do you want it to last you six months or do you want it to last you six years? You probably want it for six years. And, you know, I, I'm looking at that fabric. That's not, that's not a nice fabric. I don't really like the better either. So, so I'm going to keep looking and I see best. Ah, <laughs> yes, fully adjustable with aluminum frame. This one's going to last a long time. So if I was going to buy an office chair, you know what? I, I like that color, that teal seat and the gray back, adjustable arms, aluminum. That's the one I'm going to buy, especially if you're paying. That's the one I'm buying, okay? It doesn't matter. You, you, you can afford it. So if you had a choice, good, better, or best, what do you like to choose? Again, someone else is paying for it. What would you choose? You choose the best. There you go. It's a pretty easy decision. Anybody be like, no, I really like, I like the fabric, that tan, puke tan over there. That's my color. I want that one. No, you want the best. We all want the best, right? God put that within us. So now we think back to Romans 12, and we said, okay, if, if God has a perfect will for us, it's his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Is there any reason why you wouldn't want what God's perfect will is for you? Why, why would you settle for your thoughts? Ugh. It's just distasteful. I don't, I don't want that. I want the best, right? Ed's paying. We can all get the best office chair. There we go. <laughs> so when I think about God's best, I think about the scripture in Jeremiah 29, and it was the one that Gareth, the boy in the video, shared and you know, so often we'll quote Jeremiah 29, 11, and that's one that we talked about at youth camp. But we encourage the kids, hey, you know what? Just because we talked about one verse, go back and read the chapter. And he read the chapter, and I'm going to read you 11, 12, and 13, because he was reading 12 and 13 when he was talking. And this is so good. So Romans 29, 11 through 13 says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And the thing that blessed me the most about his testimony was that he went into God's word, maybe for one of the first times or the, one of the first times in a long time, and he found this scripture and God spoke something to him when he said, you know what? I'm not seeking God with my whole heart. And maybe that's why I'm not finding God. Like I, I want God to renew me and to transform me through the renewing of my mind. I need to get into his word. It, it's not about, oh, I gotta read God's word today. Otherwise, they're gonna kick me out of church. No, it's, you know what? When I read God's word, there's something in it that's alive, that's powerful, that changes who I am. And I see that and I want to search for God with all my heart. And God says that he will give us a future and he will give us a hope. You know, and I think back to the girl, uh, the first girl in the video, Tatiana, she talked about her cousin, Alyssa. And Alyssa came to camp as an atheist. And I heard her story at the end of camp. I had lunch with her the last day and, and asked her, hey, so Alyssa, tell me a little bit more. You know, you shared your testimony that you, you came to believe in Jesus and, and uh, give him your life. But what was this about you being an atheist? And she said, you know, I've, I've had such a hard life. And I'm looking at her. She's 13. But then she starts to tell me about some of the things she's been through. And I'm like, okay, you have had a hard life. I did not grow up like that. And she's like, you know, so, so through all of those difficult things, I just determined there must not be a God. 
So I didn't believe in God. And I said, well, what changed over the course of this time? And she said, I started to hear you guys talk about the word of God. I, you know, in worship, I could just feel and sense God's presence and his love. And then, you know, all the people here, they were just so loving that I just knew, okay, people aren't like that naturally. That's gotta be something, that's gotta be something from God for them to be like that. And she decided, no, I'm gonna believe in God. I wanna give my life to God. And it was just such an awesome miracle to see her come to that conclusion and to put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But see, she was jaded in her young life, as many of us may be as adults, that we've been through a lot of different things and we're like, God, I, I wanna believe in you, but, but God, you don't know what I've been through. Yes, he does, first of all. Maybe I don't, but he does. And God is still there for us. We, we think that we may be walking life alone at times, but we're not walking life alone. God is walking right with us. It's just we can't see it and we don't know it. But the truth is this. The truth is that God has a, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. He wants to give us a hope and a future. But he's also clear about this one thing, that if you want to find him, you've got to seek him with all of your heart. So what does it look like to seek him with all of your heart? And I'll, I'll come back to Romans 12.1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So maybe the most challenging question I could ask you is what would it look like for you to offer your body as a living sacrifice to God? Just think about that. What mental image do you, comes to your mind when you think about trying to offer your body a living sacrifice to God? You know, and, and, and as I think about it myself, I think about, okay, could I be tied up, you know, hands bound and, and feet bound and put myself on a, on a campfire? No, that's, that's not really the image that comes as offering my body as a living sacrifice. For, for me, there's one word that would describe offering my body a living sacrifice, and that's this word surrender. That I would give all of who I am to God and say, God, I'm giving you all that I am. That's, that's me offering my body as a living sacrifice. I don't know any other way to do it. You know, we heard from Kylie that it was a scary thing for her coming to youth camp thinking, oh my gosh, they're gonna ask me to surrender my life to God and that means, oh, my life is over. It's ruined my senior year in high school. I'm never gonna have any more fun. I'm gonna lose all my friends. And she was like, all these thoughts were going through her head about why this would be the worst thing possible for her to surrender her life to God. You know, and I came to this conclusion in my own life. Behind every failed attempt I've had to surrender to God is a lie. And that's why I failed. So let me say that again. Behind every failed attempt to surrender to God was a lie that I was believing. A lie that would be, oh, if I surrender to God, then this is going to happen. And, and you know what? Here's the reality. If I give you a choice this morning and I put a plate in front of, in front of you and on one plate was dirt and on another plate was lasagna... Which one would you want to have for lunch today? Dirt or lasagna? Huh. Is, there a, is there even a choice, right? It's kind of that plain. Who would want to eat dirt? We're, we're not little kids playing in the playground. And I don't know why, you know, when I bring my grandkids out to the sandbox, they eat dirt. Like, why, what are you doing? Why do you... It's just gritty, right? Why would you put dirt in your mouth? But kids do. And then you grow up and you, and you learn better, Right? No, if I had a choice between a plate of dirt and lasagna for lunch, I'm going to have lasagna all the time. Is there even a comparison? No. And you know what? This is what Isaiah says about you and I, that all of our righteousness 
All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And then in Romans, Jesus says, if you put your faith in him, he will clothe you with his righteousness. So it's like dirt lasagna, filthy rags, robes of righteousness. Why do we think this whole surrender thing is a bad deal? Like that is the biggest lie that the enemy has ever fed us. That okay, if you surrender to God, you're going to give up your filthy rag. So I, I think filthy rag, I'm in my garage. I know just where they are, man. I change my oil and I wipe up the empty oil, the transmission fluid, right? It's grime. I'm, it's nasty. I get to give up that filthy rag and I get God's robe of righteousness when I give him my life and I surrender my life. Is there any comparison? No. But see, behind every failed attempt to surrender is a lie from the enemy. What's the lie that you might be believing or, or I might be believing? So Kylie mentioned this one. I'm not going to have any more fun. If I surrender to God, I won't have any more fun. You know what? The truth is this. Since I've surrendered my life to God, I've never had more joy and more peace and never felt more fulfilled as when I'm doing God's work. Because it's, it's an amazing sense of joy when you can help someone else and, and show them the love of Jesus and now their life is better. Like, it's like, God, that you would use me. This is crazy. It's incredible. So that's, that's just totally a lie. You won't have any more fun. Or maybe you won't be able to do the things that you enjoy. Okay, so what is it that you enjoy that's so wonderful that you're not going to be able to do? Think about it. Well, you know what? I won't be able to go out at night. Okay, how do you feel the next morning when you go out at night? I go out at night. I have a ton of fun, and I feel great the next morning. There's no hangover. There's no shame. There's no guilt. So what is it that I'm doing that I think I'm really enjoying when the next morning I'm paying the price? Is that really, is that really the joy that you want? Something that you'd enjoy? No, the truth is this. That when you come to Jesus and surrender, he's going to give you transformational power from God. Right? We renew our minds. How we're transformed is by the renewing of our mind. God will give you his power to transform you in who you are. So I was having lunch this week with a friend of mine and we were going through this Living in Christ book and, and talking about surrendering and giving our lives to Jesus, right? We're in chapter three if you've ever read the book. And on, on the way back after lunch, we're driving back to his place and he says, you know what? I made a decision this week that I'm, I think I'm gonna ch change the way I dress. I'm like, really? Well, what does that look like? And he goes, you know, I've, I've always worn a lot of skulls and I just feel like maybe that's not honoring to God. I'm, I'm, I went on Amazon and I bought some crosses and I'm going to put crosses on instead of skulls. I'm like, no kidding. So why did you make that decision? And he goes, you know, it's just, I was just getting a sense that it, the skulls aren't honoring to God. They're speaking of death and, and I want to honor my Jesus and, and I, I just want to start to wear crosses. See, I've been meeting with this guy for a number of weeks. I never said a word about his skulls. Why would I? But as he started to get into God's word and as he started to read God's word and, and give his life to Jesus, Jesus was the one that started to speak to his heart and say, you know what? I think there's a different way to honor me. And see, that's, that's what this Romans 12 is talking about, that when you get into God's word, it's, it's not you all of a sudden saying, oh, I gotta change everything in my life. No, you don't have to change anything. Just come to Jesus as you are. But I'll tell you this, as you come to Jesus, as you get in the word of God, God will start to put things on your heart that, you know what, this is, I, I think I want to make a change here. And it's usually a change for the better. It's not that God's taking you down a more difficult path or a path that would be worth, worse. He's trying to transform you. 
And you know, the thing is this, what is he transforming us to? He's got a plan for our life. So again, if, if, that, if my plan is eating dirt for lunch and his plan is eating lasagna for lunch, why would I be afraid of this surrender thing? Like, I, I want the lasagna. How about you? Would you do, do you want the best or do you want your own dirt? No, I, I, I want what God has for me. So then how do I surrender? Right, just how do I do that? Now here's where we all get stuck. And I know I've gotten stuck many times on this surrender question, right? Because I want to surrender on my own terms. And you know, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. You can't come to God and say, God, I want, I want to surrender my life to you and, and then do it on your own terms. It's just impossible. So I'll give you an example. Suppose you're at a swimming pool and you decide you're going to go up on the diving board and you're going to dive in the pool. And you're like, yeah, but Greg, I, I want to dive in the pool, but I don't want to get my hair wet. Okay, that's impossible. You can't dive in a pool and not get your hair wet. Oh, but you know what? I, I got this sunshield t-shirt thing on and I don't like when it gets wet. It kind of grabs my belly funny. And so I want to dive in the pool, but I don't want to get my shirt wet. Yeah, that's not going to happen either. You can't dive in a swimming pool without what? Without getting all wet, without getting soaked. But you know what? This question comes about surrender, that we want to surrender, but still hold on to something. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. It's like you're either jumping in the pool or you're not jumping in the pool. You can't kind of half jump in a swimming pool. I said jump. I didn't say put your toe in. You can't half jump in. You're either all in or you're not all in. But when it comes to surrendering to God, we think we can do it on our own terms. And you know what? This is why a lot of Christians are disappointed in Christianity. Because God, I came to you and I didn't find you. But I only came to you halfway. I didn't give you everything. And you know, it doesn't work that way. You can't, if, just like you can't jump into a swimming pool and not get wet, you can't jump into God and not surrender all. Right, so you try to surrender on your own terms and you're going to be disappointed. You're not going to find God like you want to find him because that's not what his word says. It says, if you seek me with all of your heart, I'll be found by you. So here's how you surrender to God. You surrender to God by saying, God, I'm all in. God, I want to give you everything. I, I want to give my life to you. Lord, I'm going to bring my filthy rags and you're going to give me your robe of righteousness. That's an amazing exchange. That is, that is just, it just blows my mind that God allows us to do that. All by having faith in Jesus and receiving the work that he did on the cross for us. But here's the deal about saying you're all in. It starts with a decision, but it doesn't end with a decision. Because as soon as you make that decision to say, God, I give you my life. I'm all in. You're going to be tested. It, it might be... Downstairs, when someone else cuts you in front of you for the meatball sub, and you're like, ah, that dirty cheat. Why did he get in front of me? I've been online. Like, all of a sudden, you're tested on that all-in decision. Maybe when you, when you walk out of here, come Monday morning, now you're tested. Okay, are you really all in? And, and sooner or later, you're going to find that there's something in your life that you're holding on to, and you're not, you haven't given it to God. But you just made this decision, God, I want to be all in. Right? Don't we all face that over and over and over again? Now here's what you got to do. When you're faced with those times, you got to all over again say, I'm all in. Right? We're, all, we're always faced with the choices of conforming to this world or being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And you know what? We're human. We sin and we fall and we conform to the world. Okay, let's admit it. We do. But don't stay there. 
Right? The problem is when you stay there, you're missing out on what God has for you. His good, his pleasing, his perfect will. Go right back to him and say, God, you know what? I'm all in again. Because here's the deal with a living sacrifice. It's living. So you try to put it on the altar and doot, 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 doot. it tries to walk off the altar. And as soon as you realize that, nope, boom, putting it right back on the altar again. Up, oh, starts to walk off the altar. I'm going to put it back... And this is the choice that we, we go through constantly in life. Am I going to be conformed to the world? Or am I going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind? Now, it's not, it's not just a, a mind thing. It's, it's getting into God's word and, and, and letting his word cleanse us and wash us and change the way we think. See, many Christians just try to get to know God by trying harder in their, in their own self-effort and self-worth. And, and you know that we don't have enough self-effort. We don't have enough self-discipline to get to God. There's nothing you could do to earn your salvation, right? We, we know that, but we kind of don't know it. We still try. So then we get into this thing, okay, if trying doesn't work, then I'm just going to put on a good face. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm fine. When I'm really doing lousy. Well, that's not really being genuine anymore. But coming to God and saying all in, you say it once, and then you keep saying it over and over and over again. As God would, as God would reveal, reveal things to you, you give them back to the Lord and say, God, I, I need to give this up. God, I, I Because each time you're giving your filthy rags and getting a little more of his robe of righteousness, it's not hard to surrender when you realize what's on the other side. Amen? Would you stand with me as, as we close in prayer? So now I want to ask you this question as we close. What would it look like if you surrendered all to God? You gave God everything. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if maybe you feel like you've walked in here and you, you've already, you're sold out. You've, you've given God everything and you're sold out for him today. But chances are, you may have walked in here and, and never heard a thing about this or you may have walked in here kind of knowing this whole Christianity deal. But you're not all in right now. You know you're not all in. You're trying to, to live life and surrender to God on your terms, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, it, it just doesn't work. You can't jump into the swimming pool without getting wet. So what would it look like if you gave God everything? I think it would be amazing. That's what I think it would be. I think you'd start to know what God's good and pleasing and perfect will is for your life. I'm not promising you that all your troubles are going to go away. I'm not telling you all your bills are going to be paid instantaneously. What I am going to promise you, though, is you're going to come to know the Prince of Peace, and he's going to fill your heart with some amazing love. And the guilt and the shame and the, the self-worth, the lack of self-worth that you have, he, he, paid on, he, he died on the cross for that. You know, and if you've been trying to live life as a Christian, still holding on to things in your own heart, you just can't do it. You gotta let you gotta let them go. You gotta give them up. You have to surrender. But on the other side of surrender is something amazing. So Lord, I ask you today, would you put it on our hearts what it looks like to, to be all in? Lord, as I've asked each one the question, what does it look like for them to be all in? God, I pray you put it on their hearts. So if you want to make a decision or remake a decision this morning to be all in, I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand? Would you join me in raising your hand? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for these hands. So let's keep our hands up to God in a posture of surrender. And God, we say to you, Lord, there's, there's many times that we've blown it, God. 
we've tried to, to surrender all and, and it's like we got the, the bathing cap on trying not to get our hair wet. It still doesn't work, but we, we try to fool ourselves, Lord, that we're surrendering when we're really not surrendering. Well, God, this morning we say to you, we're all in. God, we're saying to you that we surrender all over again, God. We surrender to you for the first time. Lord, we want your good and pleasing and perfect will. God, show us what you have for us, God. We want to seek you with all of our heart, God, and we want to find you, Lord. So I thank you that your word is true this morning, God, for each one that's raising their hand, God. You're going to show them what it looks like to be all in. God, what are those things that we need to do, Jesus, to come before you? It's just to surrender our lives to you, and that's what we do. We surrender, God. Lord, help us in this walk. Help us as we walk out of here to stay in an attitude of surrender. That when we notice the, the offerings walked off the altar, we can put it right back on the altar. We can get into your word and let your word renew our mind and transform us. So I thank you for each, each believer, God. I thank you for each one that's made this decision to be all in. Bless them. Give them your favor, God. Show them your good and pleasing and perfect will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, you have a great day. Please join us downstairs for food. If you wouldn't mind stacking your chairs before you go, that would be great. And if there's anything you want prayer for this morning, please feel free to come forward. We'd love to pray with you.